Welcome to episode 108 of the PharmExec podcast. I'm Elaine Quilici, Editor-in-Chief of PharmExec Magazine, here along with my co-host, Group Social Media Editor, Miranda Schmalfus. PharmExec Magazine is a multimedia publishing brand that brings you the latest insights to master the science of success. On this week's episode, Miranda and I are excited to announce the winners of PharmExec's 2022 Emerging Pharma Leaders Awards. We're also happy to have our fellow PharmExec editors here to talk about their interviews with these rising stars. Let's take a quick break from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with our editors. Hey, podcasters. Social media editor Miranda Schmalf is here to let you know that the Pharmaceutical Executive Apex Awards have extended their entry deadline. Our new deadline is June 30th. Don't miss your chance to enter across 19 specialized categories in the only pharma award show judged entirely by HCPs. Submit your entry now at apex.pharmexec.com. That's apex.pharmexec.com. Hello, podcasters. Today, Miranda and I are thrilled to announce this year's recipients of PharmExec's Emerging Pharma Leaders or EPL Awards. Our diverse group of judges this year was composed of former EPL winner, Carla Pearson, Vice President and Global Commercial Lead for Cabotegravir at Vive Healthcare, and three members of the Pharmaceutical Executive Editorial Advisory Board, Indranil Bagchi, Senior Vice President and Head of Global Value Access at Novartis, Al Reichig, CEO of Sea Change Healthcare, and Adele Golfo, Chief Business and Commercial Development Officer at Semitivan Biopharma. They search for biopharma individuals, whether from large pharma or emerging biotechs, who demonstrate innovative leadership, are accomplished in their work, and continue to show career growth. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce this year's winners, Naveen Bazaj, Gardner Gendron, Aida Habtezian, Matthew J. Haraluk, Charmaine Likens, Divya Chattamanik, Susan Panda, Matthew R. Price, Kiana Russell, Patricia Tor, and Sheetal Vyas. To learn a little bit more about our new EPLs, we've invited our fellow editors to discuss the interviews they conducted for the full write-ups that appear in our May issue, which is now available on our website. We're happy to welcome Group Editorial Director, Lisa Henderson, Group Managing Editor, Mike Christel, Senior Editor, Fran Polaro, and Associate Editor, Andy Studna, to our podcast today. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks. Thank you for having us. Miranda, why don't you get us started off with what you learned from your conversation with Gardner Gendron, Chief and U.S. Head of Commercial at NS Pharma. So my EPL Gardner has always operated from a patient-centric point of view, and he's always been so passionate about helping others above anything else. From a young age, he was always surrounded by family and friends that were either physicians or within the pharmaceutical industry. So that's what initially attracted him when he first graduated from the University of New Hampshire, and he was really tenacious about getting into pharmaceutical sales. He would go to conferences and talk to companies and call to find out when there would be an opening, but then he was still selective because he would judge them on the strength of their product profile and their unmet medical need and what what they were actually solving for patients with debilitating diseases. And he ended up carrying a bag for the first eight years of his career where he not only earned awards in sales, but that experience has also helped him win awards in leadership as well. Not only is he an award-winning leader, but Gardner has actually had several people follow him three or four times as he's moved from different companies throughout his career. And I think that really speaks volumes to him as a leader. And he has strong morals and ethics, and that is exemplified no better 
than in the story that he told me about a family where two brothers suffering from the same affliction of Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Only the older brother was able to qualify and participate in a phase two trial and was getting better with the medication, which was great news. But his younger brother's DMD was only getting worse. And Gardner took matters into his own hands and went to his company that wasn't profitable at the time and asked for millions of dollars to create an early access program so that the younger brother could gain access to the medication. You're going to have to read Gardner's profiles for the rest of the story, but I'm very proud to recognize Gardner Gendron as one of our 2022 Emerging Pharma Leaders. Thanks, Miranda. Lisa, you interviewed Divya Chadak Manik, Senior Vice President of Clinical Development at iBio, and Aida Habtezian, Senior Vice President, Chief Medical Officer, and Head of Worldwide Medical and Safety at Pfizer. What can you tell us about these new APLs? Thanks, Elaine. So coincidentally, both of these emerging pharma leaders are very recent entries into the pharma industry. However, they came into pharma on different paths. Divya started her job only six months ago at clinical stage biotech iBio, as you mentioned, and Aida joined Pfizer in January of 2021. So Divya began her career at the UK's National Institute for Health Research, the Clinical Research Network. And she worked that career upwards continuously. And along the way, she gained a reputation for efficiency, innovative programs, a low-level tolerance for unnecessary bureaucracy. And for those reasons, in April 2020, she was asked to lead the UK government's vaccine task force as the clinical trials workstream lead. And she set up a centralized COVID-19 vaccine registry for UK for people interested in taking part, you know, in the trials that weren't yet initiated. You know, they're just signing up. Yeah, I want to participate when it becomes available. So that did help drive faster recruitment into the trials. And this ties directly into one of her passions, which is shortening the clinical development timeline. She believes it's extremely long. It's not cost effective. It puts kind of a a negative chilling effect on people that want to put drugs into clinical trials, but, you know, just see it as a monumental task. And she truly believes that there can be a better job to get patients into clinical trials faster and more efficiently. And she is hoping to affect positive change in that area when her company enters clinical trials on its programs. And Aida was already a senior level professional She's a tenured and endowed full professor at Stanford University. She was an associate dean for academic affairs in their school of medicine. She had a clinical practice in her specialty of gastroenterology and hepatology and a well-funded translational lab at the university for her research. So, you know, she's a senior level person, just not an industry, but in her role as a physician, she saw many patients negatively impacted by a lack of therapeutic choices, as well as, you know, negative impacts on systemic socioeconomic and racial disparities. So now she's, in addition to her duties, she's leading Pfizer's Institute of Translational Equitable Medicine, which is using data to help understand drivers of health inequities and how Pfizer's discoveries can meet the needs of underrepresented and minority patients on a national and global level. And as a physician scientist, bridging bench to bedside is extremely important to Aida. And now she feels she can contribute that passion and impact larger populations. Thanks, Lisa. Next up, we have Mike talking about his interviews with Naveen Bazaj, head of corporate development at Elector, and Patricia Torp, U.S. President and General Manager at Edorcia Pharmaceuticals. 
Mike, what can you share about these rising stars? Thanks, Elaine. With Naveen, I kind of wanted to capture sort of his mission. So the headline I used for him was same mission, altered course. I kind of want to emphasize those two elements with his story, because in speaking with him, it really sounds like he's approached his career and his role as a mission. He wants to make an impact in public health, but on a wide population of patients. He actually termed it to me as making an outsized or abnormal amount of impact, which I thought was kind of interesting. And then the course aspect, you know, that's his career journey and how an early realization really put him on the fast track to make the kind of impact that he mentioned, you know, and seemingly was more destined to make. You know, he had early health issues as a child that really kind of sparked an interest in healthcare medicine and overcoming those issues really inspired him to get into the life sciences field. He loved biology. He rolled at UCLA. He he trained as a scientist, graduated with a BS in biology. You know, he was seemingly on on the science and research track. But then he had one of those, you know, come to Jesus moments that, that people sometimes have early in their careers. And what I found impressive was he, he was willing to embrace that. You know, he didn't hide from it. Like I said, he had, he had this kind of mission mindset. He had to dig, you know, look, look at inside himself. And really, it was sort of an unselfish sort of thing, I thought. Not just to nurture his own path, his love of science, but he wanted his talents to make an impact on the wider field to benefit medicine. So I thought that was kind of cool. What he did is he shifted from the bench research to the business side. You know, positioning products, novel technologies forward, not from the science end, but from the operation side, you know, partnership deals, patient access, technology, you know, improving business operations, all, you know, all those inefficiencies that you hear about in, in clinical development. He wanted to really help solve some of those. So I thought that was cool. I won't go into details as far as all the stops he's made in his career. He's been on a, what I call the 10-year whirlwind biotech journey, you know, a good, helping to grow small but, but promising biotech uh, startups and, and tech companies. You can read all about those in, in the written profile. Patricia's story, I find one of those quintessential journeys about literally building a company. In this case, the U.S. operations of a global biotech, you know, from the ground up. She was employee number one, hired at Endorsia U.S. back in March 2020, you know, right when the pandemic started. And she was responsible for literally building the commercial footprint. And obviously in a key market, the U.S. So that's, you know, that's a, that's a big challenge. She was in charge of securing the physical facility, you know, which would end up in Radnor, Pennsylvania, which is right outside Philly. She built a leadership team. You know, she had to find the right combination of talent and people. She installed the procedures and processes, ways of working and helping to build a culture too. So she had to do all those things. And all to carve out a hopeful path for Dorcia's pipeline which is a pretty promising pipeline. It's a mix of specialty and orphan disease drugs, and also a anticipated treatment for insomnia at the time, which has since gained approval in January and was actually launched this month. So that was their big flagship product. And she helped push that launch over the last couple of years. And you can read all about the launch of their insomnia drug in the profile and, and the big campaigns that they've um, been endorsed has put out there with celebrities like Jennifer Aniston and all that. So that's really interesting. You, you can read about that in the profile. Thanks, Mike. Elaine, what were the highlights of your conversations with Susan Pandia, Vice President, Clinical Development and Head of Cancer Metabolism, Global Development Oncology and Immuno-Oncology at Servier Pharmaceuticals, and Kiana Russell, Associate Director of Medical Information and Medical Communication at G1 Therapeutics. So Miranda, in my conversation with Susan, I learned about her guiding principle of authenticity, which manifests itself at work by being true to patients' needs. Susan always wanted to be a doctor growing up, and she was attracted to oncology 
for the many different areas it included, surgery, pathology, radiation, but more than anything, she really felt a connection with oncology patients who she felt needed not just a doctor, but a partner throughout their treatment. So in that role, she always looked for ways to do more for patients. While she was in academic clinical practice, Susan co-directed a phase one experimental therapeutics program, and that's when the seed of moving into pharma was planted. She knew an industry role could have even greater impact for patients, so she made the jump in 2012. Susan took her passion to Acceleron Pharma, which was acquired by Merck in 2021, but just a couple years into her role there, the company started to move away from oncology and toward rare muscle diseases. So to continue her path in oncology, she joined Agios Pharmaceuticals, which was focused on a number of hard-to-treat cancers, including cholangiocarcinoma, or CCA. She was familiar with that disease from her clinical practice, and also her uncle had just recently died from the disease. So she was really interested in working on Agios's development of Tibsovo, which was a new therapeutic for CCA. At the time, she led the clinical development of another key asset, voracitinib, for a type of brain tumor. Her team also works on other difficult to treat cancers and Susan has even expanded into the company's hematology programs now. In April of 2021, Servier acquired Agios's oncology business and Susan now leads a team of 17 people, including a new program in Servier's metabolic oncology area. So with so many areas of responsibility that she has, she really has to carefully balance where to focus her energy at the necessary times. And she gives credit to her dedicated team, many who have moved with her throughout all the company changes. And she makes a point to understand their needs and she knows she needs to keep them motivated and empowered. She appreciates everyone's busy lives, especially, you know, throughout the pandemic and wants her team to be open and honest when it comes to needing flexibility. And this is where her belief in authenticity resurfaces because she understands that showing herself as a whole person at work sets an example for others. And she knows that, you know, her work life is just a part of her, she says. And it's important that other people know that her family will always come first. In my other interview with Kiana, or Q, as everyone knows her, we talked a lot about the power of edutainment. By combining education with entertainment, she certainly makes learning fun at G1 Therapeutics. Like Susan, she knows how to connect with people. But in this case, it's not with the patients. It's with the professionals that serve the patients. So after working at the only military medical school in the country, Q's plan was to remain in academic research. She was introduced to pharma as a contracted clinical specialist at Pfizer in 2009, and then she became a medical science liaison, or MSL, for HealthPoint. Then in 2014, HealthPoint was acquired by Smith & Nephew Biotherapeutics, where she was able to get a wider perspective on pharma. And then after 13 years in various roles there, she decided she wanted to move out of the field and into a home office position. So in 2020, she joined G1 Therapeutics in a role that allowed her to tap into a variety of different medical communications, which she liked. Today, she creates standard response documents, manages G1's medical information call center, responds to physician requests, and conducts all medical training for the company. She likes to use real-life connections and humor, which she definitely has, to develop effective programs that directly speak to her colleagues. When she joined G1, the company was just about to launch its first drug, Casella, so she had to hit the ground running and had to immediately prepare for the FDA review process. And as a resident medical expert, she worked around the clock to help complete a 150 plus page dossier. And she refers to that as one of her greatest accomplishments. He also developed G1's medical training program, which didn't exist previously. So here she breaks down complex medical information into memorable matter 
by way of mock game shows, talk shows, scavenger hunts, and online games. And to wrap it up, one of my favorite quotes of hers is, I don't have to sound the smartest just as long as you walk away feeling the smartest. So I think that encapsulates her pretty well. I like that too, Elaine. Thanks for that. So Fran, can you give us a recap of your interviews with Charmaine Likens, Chief Commercial Officer at Karuna Therapeutics and Sheetal Ivas, Vice President of Operations at Faring Pharmaceuticals? What can you tell us about those EPLs? Yeah, so I have to say I really enjoyed my conversations with the two EPLs I covered. Both of them fell into pharma and more specifically the commercial side of pharma unexpectedly. They embody and share a few qualities as leaders that are really admirable and I'll touch on those in the next few minutes. So let's talk about Charmaine first. Charmaine Likens is from Karuna Therapeutics. She's building a commercial organization as the company advances multiple late stage clinical trials evaluating its lead candidate, CAR-XT, which they're hoping will provide meaningful relief for people living with schizophrenia and other neuro conditions. So really important work for mental health. Charmaine has a really interesting past, launching many well-known psychiatric therapies, generating well over $1 billion in annual revenue across the life cycle. So she was raised in Muncie, Indiana, and actually attended college in Muncie as well at Ball State, where she took part in an honors program for organic chemistry funded by Indianapolis-based Eli Lilly. So if you think about it, you think she was destined to stay there in Indiana, maybe even head to Lilly for her first job and go on from there. Nope. Big curveball. After graduation, Charmaine decided to accept a job offer that not only sent her out of Indiana, but far away to Saudi Arabia, where she worked as a chemist setting up a pesticide research program for the royal family in Riyadh. So while in Saudi Arabia, she took another important shot. She's a brave woman for sure. At the time, Prozac was on the cover of Newsweek, and she was running into a lot of untreated, depressed people in Riyadh, and there was a lot of stigma attached as well. So she sent a letter to her former sponsor, Eli Lilly, and the letter was answered surprisingly. It wasn't only answered, Charmaine became the first female pharmaceutical rep in Saudi Arabia. Unfortunately, after doing a lot of great work, her experience was cut short. In June of 96, the Kobar Towers were bombed, which killed 19 U.S. airmen and injured 400 plus U.S. and international military members and civilians. So she headed back to the States. But as you can imagine, this experience was invaluable for a 23-year-old. It showed her that you can accomplish anything going forward. So who would have thought a 23-year-old woman from Indiana would be the first pharma rep in Saudi Arabia doing really important work for Eli Lilly, as well as the population there in Saudi Arabia. So back in the States, she got her MBA with the help of Lilly and ultimately started working at Lilly on Cymbalta with her mentor, which was extremely important to her. He's kind of a big deal, this guy named Jim Lancaster, who launched Prozac and Zaprexa. And it was a defining role for her. She made a ton of connections, got a ton of experience. And she also learned a very practical way of teaching as a leader from Jim through storytelling. And that first product launch established a lot of her most important relationships, as I said. Let's move on to Sheethal. Sheethal was another inspiring conversation. I think that's really important for leaders and especially commercial leaders you should instinctively want to work for them and with them. And I got that from both of these two. Sheethal is vice president of operations at Faring Pharmaceuticals, which is a privately owned biopharmaceutical company with leadership in reproductive medicine and maternal health, as well as specializations in gastroenterology and orthopedics. So Faring is focused on developing life-changing innovations that help people live better lives. And they also, obviously they help create life, right? So 
she also serves and Sheetal does a ton. So it's, it's kind of like a list. She also serves as board chair of the National Kidney Foundation and as a certified HBA mentor for the Healthcare Business Women's Association. So it's a lot, but she loves that. She's also a dedicated yogini. And over the course of COVID, she even became a level three wine sommelier on the side. She has an unquenchable thirst for learning. She fell into the pharma world while working part-time in the midst of getting her MBA. She was working at AstraZeneca part-time and much like Charmaine, she ended up taking the commercial path, visiting HCPs regularly, carrying that bag. So these early lessons in learning about how HCPs drive business strategy and how patient treatment decisions are made really took root. And she yearned for more knowledge and even more complexity. She has a very interesting way of looking at her pharma career in three phases. And she likes to share this with her mentees so they can see where they are and where they're headed, you know, sort of as a compass. Mentorship is very important to her and she still leans on her mentors for important advice and, and obviously likes returning the favor. So Sheethal and my other EPL, Charmaine, both agree that you often learn more from your mentees than they actually learn from you. This type of open-mindedness and approach to learning through listening is something that they both share as leaders and believes creates a healthy environment for not only sharing ideas, but building consensus and building great teams. So back to those phases, Sheethal saw her career played out in three distinct phases, breadth, depth, and enterprise. Breadth is the early learnings. Depth is taking that breadth of knowledge and being able to apply it as a manager and leader and like leading large teams and organizing transformational internal projects. And finally, enterprise is where she really thrives. I, I think I mentioned she thrives in complexity. So everything from market access to training, to communications, to customer engagement, to commercial operations, she wears a ton of hats. She loves it. She's driving the business forward and she's helping develop Pharynx people, which is really important to her, as is DEI. She firmly believes that mentorship and gender parity are intertwined as women or people of color may not typically raise their hands or are often not chosen to be mentored, which in turn precludes equity. So as a woman and a person of color, she enjoys leading by example, as well as mentoring those within the organization who aspire to grow to that next level, just like she did. A lot of excitement was evident in her voice when she talked about Faring's digital transformation. As we know, it's not easy taking enormous troves of data, finding the right partners, turning data into insights that the sales team can use, build out new tools, implement new tech, et cetera. So she initially took a look at Faring's foundation, got a 360 degree view of the customer's perspective and put a three-year plan in place, which is in motion right now. They're gonna strengthen the foundation, build out the technology for the commercial teams. And then the third year will be centered on automation. What's funny and really not that surprising when you get to know Sheethal, and I talked to her twice, is that she's already thinking way beyond year three and where to go next. So I really enjoy both my conversations with these two. Thanks, Fran. Finally, Andy, who coordinates our annual EPL awards, had the chance to sit down with Matthew J. Haraluck, Executive Vice President, Chief Business Officer, and Cambridge Site Head at Gritstone Bio, and Matthew R. Price, Co-Founder, Executive Vice President, Chief Operating Officer, and Board Director at Promontory Therapeutics. Andy, what did you learn about each of their careers? Thank you, Elaine. I think that the most interesting thing about all the EPLs, and then in particular, both of the ones I had the pleasure of working with, is how different their paths into the industry were. Getting started with Matt Howerluck, and I would say he's definitely on the more traditional side of that spectrum. He'd always had a passion for science and believed the best medium to display that passion was in biotech. So after growing up in Chicago and attending the University of Notre Dame, where he studied biochemistry, 
He moved on to the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine, where he earned his PhD in cell biology and chemistry. And then rather than taking the usual path of someone who goes through that same kind of schooling as he did, pursuing a postdoctoral fellowship or a faculty position, Howerluck wanted to follow his passion for bringing medicines to patients. So following his scientific training and schooling, he attended the Tepper School of Business at Carnegie Mellon University, where he went on to earn an MBA in entrepreneurship, finance, marketing, and strategy. And now that he was ready to dive into the industry, he began his career at Thermo Fisher after completing an internship at Amgen. He then moved on to Foundation Medicine, or FMI, where he built and led their biotech business. This role at FMI included being the key architect and implementing the strategy for FMI's platform as a universal companion diagnostic, which back in the time was definitely a little bit different from how business was usually conducted. In addition, Howerluck was a leader in executing the sale of half of FMI to Roche, which was worth over a billion dollars at the time. Then moving on, his work with targeted therapies at FMI was what spurred his next move to Gritstone, where he is currently working. Most of his day-to-day there involves managing the Cambridge site, which you noted in his title earlier, Elaine. And he is also very involved in the company's oncology products, Granite and Slate, which you can read more about in his profile, in addition to their therapies for COVID-19 and HIV. Moving on to the other hand, Matthew Price's path to biotech was very different. He actually started his career in the performing arts. After he studied history at Princeton University, Price moved to Berlin, where he continued his studies. However, this time it was in music. Several years later, he returned to New York as a music producer, working on international deals and premiering performances. During his time in the arts, Price realized all along that he was really working as an entrepreneur and decided to change his career path. And his first move in this new path was attending the Columbia Business School, where he earned his MBA and realized his future was an intellectual property-driven business and ultimately biotech. While attending Columbia, Price met Promontory Therapeutics fellow co-founder and now CEO, Robert Fallon, who was teaching international banking there at the time. The two would have conversations about Price's future and eventually they led to starting a new business together. During the Great Recession in the very early 2010s, these conversations once again blossomed But this time, it was into a completely new company, which at the time was named Fosplatin Therapeutics, which, as we have said a few times now, is now named Promontory Therapeutics. Outside of his current role, in which he does anything ranging from site visits, investigator meetings, and managing finance, Price is very involved in the company's lead therapeutic agent, PT-112, which is currently in phase two development. It is being tested as a therapy for metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer, which is currently Promontory Therapeutics' largest phase two study with 90 patients. It is also being tested as a therapy for thymoma, which is cancer of the thymus, in a study which is being run by the National Cancer Institute, as well as in non-small cell lung cancer. So both overall great men and just was great talking to both of them. Thanks, Andy. That wraps up our Emerging 11, this year's EPL winners. We congratulate each and every one of them are inspired by their efforts to date and look forward to more good things from them all. Thank you to our fellow editors for being with us today and for sharing these brief synopses of our EPLs. For more information, please visit our website to read our full EPL profiles. And don't forget, it's never too early to start thinking about who you can nominate for next year's awards. Thank you for joining us, everyone.
Hey, podcasters, social media editor Miranda Schmalf is here to let you know that the Pharmaceutical Executive Apex Awards have extended their entry deadline. Our new deadline is June 30th. Don't miss your chance to enter across 19 specialized categories in the only pharma award show judged entirely by HCPs. Submit your entry now at apex.pharmexec.com. That's apex.pharmexec.com. And now it's time for this week's leadership tips from pharma execs. Hi, I'm Mike Tessalone, Senior Vice President at MJH's Industry Science Group. My leadership tip of the week is make sure that you are learning, improving, developing, and growing as a leader, manager, team member, and person every day. Keep it real and tangible. Make sure you have specific examples to share about your personal and professional breakthroughs, improvements, and growth every day, week, and month. Write down your areas of learning and progress. Remember, life is about progress, not perfection. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's Farm Exec podcast. We are always pleased to take you behind the headlines, provide expert tips from industry leaders, and give you an inside look at what the Farm Exec staff is working on. Remember, you can always find us on the web at farmexec.com, on Twitter at farmexec, on Instagram at farmexecutive, and on YouTube. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect the views of farmexec, its parent company, or our advertisers. For editorial questions, please email Editor-in-Chief Elaine Quilici at E-Q-U-I-L-I-C-I at mjhlifesciences.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please email group publisher Todd Baker at T-B-A-K-E-R at mjhlifesciences.com.